What does a divorce cost? So many burning questions. So little time. I'm Carol Afori and this is the Carol Afori Podcast, where we answer all the questions that keep going around in circles in your head. This time, we're asking, how much does a divorce cost? Oh my word. Definitely between the range of 50 to 100k as far as I know. I don't know. Everything. I think about like 30,000 rand. Anything between 10,000 to 50,000 rand. So I'd say from 2,000 rands to 200k. Uh, 5,000 maybe. So, with me to answer this very big question is attorney Benita Ardenbaum. Benita is the founder and director of an all-woman legal firm in Durban, South Africa. Benita Ardenbaum, family law attorneys. She has over 27 years experience in family law, divorce law and personal law. So, Benita, what does a divorce actually cost? Carol, that is a very, very tricky question because it really depends on how long the divorce is going to take, what the intricacies are, are we going to be litigating or fighting in the divorce? Are we going to be fighting about children? Are we going to be fighting about money? Are we going to be fighting about spousal maintenance? We might be fighting about all three or just one of those disputes or aspects in a divorce. Yeah. So one can never really tell what the cost is. It also depends on the acrimony or how angry the parties are with each other because wow. when the levels of anger, rage are running high, mm. that is when litigation is going to happen. So although we try and not go the litigation route mm. it's not really in our hands it all depends on the dynamics between the parties wow. so i can't really say to you what the cost is yeah. because it will depend how far we're going to go with this and how quickly actually we can deal with the disputes and how reasonable people are going to be mm. so i guess bonita we're going to have to break it into a couple of things i think we start off first with what needs to be decided in a divorce. I think the first thing where we have to start is mm. that people are going to be run by their emotions. Mm. And so one's got to actually have a look where you are in terms of your emotions. So is that, is you, that the biggest driving in a divorce? I think for me that is the biggest driving wow. aspect. So in law, law doesn't cater for, for people's mm. emotions. Mm. A law is either, a law deals with either black or white scenarios. Yeah. Divorce breaking up of partnerships, children, uh, financial support. Yeah. These are all emotional or emotive issues Jeez. that actually arise. Mm. So it's never, ever about the actual divorce itself. It is always around how did the divorce arise? Who has betrayed who? Have we outgrown each other? And if we've outgrown each other, can we be civil towards one another and make this work? Yeah. When it comes to children, it obviously complicates things because sometimes one party can weaponize the children against the other party and the other party holds the purse strings. So it becomes now a war against each other. I'm not going to give you the kids unless you give me proper support. Hmm. We've always had a fantastic lifestyle. Or we've had a certain lifestyle. Yeah. Now you've withdrawn the money from that lifestyle that we always had, saying all of a sudden we don't have money anymore. Yeah. And things get really, really emotional between the parties. So that's why I'm saying to you, for me, the real aspects are the emotions. Yeah. So I think it's about how do people self-regulate their emotions? Hmm. So... 
you know, either you can start looking at things like before you perhaps go into a divorce. And let me say this. It yeah. takes a lot of courage for people to, and I don't only want to use the word divorce because it's not always about a divorce. It's about the disentangling of a partnership because sometimes people are not married, but they've been in life partnerships for 10 years, 20 years. And I must point out that in South Africa, uh. there's a misnomer. There is no such thing as a common law husband and wife, meaning you may have been living together for 20 years, mm -hmm. but there is still no duty of a legal duty of support between a couple because they are not actually married. Oh, and so people, I've always thought that. I've always heard that if you're living with someone for long enough in a relationship, you have to be living for a certain period, that that overall constitutes as like a marriage. And should you part, it's like community of property vibes. Not at all. Wow. Okay. And many people are misdirected in that way because if you look at countries like in Australia if parties live together for more than two years mm -hmm. in a partnership then it will be a scenario where you know they'll have to deal with property that they've acquired there will be maintenance implications or financial support implications there are all of those sort of things but not in South Africa remember there's always a duty to support children so even if you weren't married but you have children who were born of such a partnership yeah. there's a duty on both parents still to support them but there's no duty to support each other hmm. i actually want to jump into the next the duty of, of supporting each other i hear that the top five reasons that people actually divorce in the first place yes is one lack of intimacy two infidelity three communication a breakdown thereof for money, and I'm assuming the lack thereof or the not sharing of that money, and then the last one being addiction. Would you say that these top five reasons are definitely the reasons people find themselves in a situation where they say, I'm done? Well, I think why don't we unpack them? Mm. Tell me again what the first one so was. So lack of intimacy. Okay, so let me say this. A lack of intimacy can be either a lack of sexual intimacy, yeah. okay, and therefore people will start looking outside of the relationship for sexual intimacy. Yes. But also remember, intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. Intimacy can take many forms. Yes, just uh, acknowledging intimacy me. can, it just depends on what a person's love language is. So intimacy can be cuddling. Intimacy can be doing things for each other that are kind mm. and generous. Mm. So that kind of in intimacy will take different forms. But you do find that, you know, sometimes... A marriage or a partnership after many years, the parties feel either that it's getting a bit boring. But remember, it depends on the individual people because mm. you hear about people saying, oh, that person's going through a midlife crisis or something like mm. that. Mm. So it's not always about the couple or the relationship itself. It can also be about the individual person mm. because they're going through a hard time. Perhaps they feel like they need their ego stroked or they want to feel desired by another person and they're no longer getting it in the relationship because they've been married or been in a partnership for 15 years or 10 mm, years mm. and things are not really spiced up and they can get quite boring. Yeah. And so and they that obviously start then looking outside of the marriage. Which leads to infidelity, which Correct. could be another one. So, so, yes. And that often is. But remember, the actual... The infidelity itself, yeah. one has to ask oneself, well, why are you looking outside of the marriage yeah. to have sex? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So that's why I'm saying to you, it can be twofold. It's either the person individually because they're going through challenges and are not necessarily sharing it with their partner what they're going through, or they feel undesired. A person outside of the partnership starts actually giving them a little bit of attention. And now all of a sudden we have self-value, self-worth, we're feeling desired, we're feeling needed and wanted. It's exhilarating and exciting. Mm. And it's something that you may not have felt for a very long time. Mm. So it's easy to actually veer out of the partnership. And now that leads to the lack of communication. There we go. So instead of actually communicating to your partner, how do we spice up our love life? Or yeah. what can we do in our relationship, perhaps to change things, to make it more authentic and truthful and all of these things, yeah. now you're going to rather go outside. outside. We had this on the show once where we spoke about people in marriages having friends of the opposite sex and how I felt like when you are married, your best friend should be your husband and you shouldn't find yourself having to share challenges within your marriage with another man. You know, it should be your husband who should hear that these are the challenges that we are facing. Exactly. And when you speak of the communication and the, the outpouring to another, how it can make things a lot more complex. But can I just say this, Carol? Yeah. You see, the problem is this. Mm. Within a partnership, you then have children, mm. you have mortgage bonds to pay, you've got financial Debt. issues, yeah. you've got all of these yeah. things that arise. It makes things a lot more pressurized within the relationship because that's yeah. part of it. People have arguments about finances. Yep, which, which is, is the next one. That's where the big thing is, which is the big pressure yeah. point. Okay. Yeah. When you find other people to talk to who will suddenly listen to you, you step out of those pressures into a fantasy world now. Wow. Because that is profound. Yeah. That is profound because I don't think people understand that. Correct. That when you. Don't deal with those matters within the, the realm in which it is the problem and you deal with them outside. You are in a fantasy, fantasy world. Wow. So when you are suddenly talking to the person at gym who's good looking or hot or beautiful or whatever. Yeah. Sexy they don't know. Absolutely. They don't know about what is actually going on in your personal life. And that maybe you so, are the problem. No, totally. You don't uh, tell them I'm the problem. They back you up with your nonsense and you go back thing. But that yeah. stranger who doesn't actually know I'm the problem <laughs> says I'm not the problem. You're so right. Exactly. So Fantasy. you see, each person in a relationship is going to come with their, their perception of yeah. what they think the problems are. Yeah. Okay. So my advice always, and I've been married for 35 years and been in a partnership with my husband for 38 years. The thing is that unless you're going to speak about your problems, unless you're going to deal with those problems, unless the two of you decide how you want to spice up your life and mm. and uh, have a little bit more excitement, nobody else is going to do it for you. Mm. Okay. And that's where you're going to start. You need to commit to your relationship. You know, these are things that you have to look at before one says, well, what is the cost of a divorce and what are the things that you actually didn't know? Well, the things are, how can you perhaps work on the relationship? But what I have to say is this. Not all relationships can be reconciled. Hmm. Okay. It depends. Sometimes there's a lot of abuse in the relationships. Because remember, sometimes you will have in a partnership a party that is the controlling party because they feel insecure about themselves. So what do they do? They start subjugating or abusing the partner who is not as controlling or who's not controlling, who's meek, who's mild, who has been raised in a specific way and often this happens with women i have to say this mm. there are many times and it's not to say that men are not abused 
Okay. Mm, I've come mm. across many cases where many men are abused in the severest form, like actual physical, torturous Mm. uh, abuse. Okay. But you see, the problem is the emotional abuse and the physical abuse, but it's often the emotional abuse. The emotional psychological abuse where you have two people who try to do the best that they can. Mm -hmm. You have perhaps in a scenario, and I'm just going to give you the scenario, where you have a couple where the husband's the breadwinner, he works, mommy stays at home and she looks after the children. Because that is what was agreed. Agreed, yes. She decided, or they decided together that she would give up her career. Yes. She stays home. Yes. After a specific or after a, a point in time, there are financial pressures. Now... Dad starts getting resentful because he's the breadwinner. He feels Ish. unappreciated. He sees mother going for coffees in the morning now after on she's his, dropped on the children. <laughs> after oh. she's dropped the children off at school or whatever the case is. So yeah. it starts off with a notion that is a noble way to say, well, it's great. It's wonderful for mother to stay home and the children have mommy around 24-7 to raise them, etc. But then you now start having this whole resentment that starts Mm, building up here mm. because finances are tight. Because Mm. it's a lot easier when you have a couple where both parties are bringing in money. And when you look at the state of the economy and how tough things really are, Mm. unless you've got a really, really solid relationship, it is going to impact on that. So the husband will then... You know, he starts speaking to other people and they're kind of nicer to him and he feels more valued now. And so it's easy to step out and now go and have an affair because that is the fantasy elsewhere. You can get the intimacy there, the excitement, the secretness of or the secretiveness of having the relationship while mommy's busy looking and staying at home. In the converse, mommy may be staying home, look after the children, starts getting bored because she actually did a medical degree or or she's, she was a high-powered career person, but they thought that raising children was more important than her career. working. Mm-hmm. Now, she starts getting bored. That's yeah. what I say to you. There's a lot associated a lot. with that. So all of that where you've asked me what are the five... Yeah, the last one actually uh, is addictions. Yeah, in fact, let's unpack that as mm. well. So the addictions are this. When the excitement and their various addictions, it can be food addiction... Porn is a big thing. I've had people who gamble because they they want the excitement. So people want to get the high. They want to get the excitement. So, yes, there are all of those kind of things. Right. Would you say there are common divorce mistakes that one makes? Yes. Um, What would you say those are? So I think people think, firstly, we need to stay in a relationship for the children. Oh, okay. That, that, that one, that one, I can tell you, does not work. <laughs> okay, so that yeah. is a big thing. Yeah. So people will often come to me, even like they're thinking of divorce, and they'll say, "My partner's highly abusive. Hmm. Uh, my partner's this. My partner gambles. My partner watches pornography." But I don't know what to do because I think I need to stay in this relationship, and I've stayed. I had somebody saying to me, "I knew." On our honeymoon that this marriage wasn't right and now we are 20 years down the line Jeez. and we're still in this kind of relationship where the parties hate each other mm. but they have the thought of oh no well we need to if we've got you know four kids we need to wait until the little one is now a teenager before we can even think of and getting a divorce or anything like that and raise those kids in a toxic environment exactly. and traumatize them whilst you exactly. guys are trying to figure yourselves out Exactly. That's a mess. So 
there's those aspects. Then it's mm. about managing your emotions. Like, what is your realistic perspective? People think that they're just going to go to a lawyer and say, right, I want a divorce. And you think that two weeks later, you're going to have a divorce. That's why I'm so doing this. <laughs> because I really thought that's what happened. You walk in, you go, I want a divorce. How much is it going to cost yeah. me? 500 Rand, thank you. Yeah. Here's exactly. a check. Make this thing happen. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not it at all. I can count on my hands how many people I've divorced where they were really, really amicable and they really thought about this wow. and they weren't triggered about anything. Uh, wow. And it was it was civil and great. And I then said to both of them, this is fantastic. Wow. So okay. you can count on one hand. Absolutely. Leads me to my next but, question. Yeah. Who initiates more divorces in your experience? Would you say men are the ones that are like, Thanks, I'm done. Or is it women? And you've been an attorney for several years. Have for you found maybe years. 28 years? Right. There we go. Would you find that maybe 10 years ago it was more men, and now with the lives we're living, COVID, blah 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 blah, it's more men? Or what would you? Who okay. would you say are, so, are the ones coming forward mostly? In your yeah. Experience? So, Carol, I would have to say, up until about 15 years ago, yeah. it was more men who were actually initiating. What? The divorce processes, yeah. I thought it was women. And it was, they were the ones who were having the affairs and like had, they said they were done. Like I've had enough now. I've seen life outside of the marriage wow, or the partnership. Wow, the fantasy is lovely. And it's so nice and it's so exciting because we go to a hotel room three times a week. Oh my like gosh. at six in the morning. <laughs> that is not dirty. Y'all dirty. And then we go to work at eight <laughs> o'clock and we're having an affair with one of our employees. Oh my gosh. And it's fun and it's this and that can go on for months and it's exhilarating and exciting. I'm sure okay. it is. And then we, we then come in. Now I'm finding, you see, it's also about... Women were encultured to be good girls or good women. Yes. Uh, you stay home, you raise the children, mm. you know, don't don't make your husband angry. Uh, keep the peace in the home. And that was just the way that women were encultured and raised. Okay, mm. that is now changing. It is now changing because women are definitely becoming more empowered within themselves. But let me say this. It takes a huge, huge amount of courage for people, whether it's men or women, but mainly women, because mm. usually women have more to lose. Because it's true. often they end up with the children, meaning yeah. getting primary residence of the children, even though there's a propensity now more towards a joint residence or a shared residence scenario. Yeah. But they end up with the children. So what do women want? Women want financial security. Mm -hmm. So they want to make sure that they've been looked after. There's some women who haven't been in the work space for 30 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. even 15 years. Mm -hmm. You now become irrelevant. Mm. You lose all of your confidence because you may be a great mother and you can do the mothering, mm. but you're out of the workforce now. So yeah. you've lost all of your confidence. Yes. And now you've got to compete with other younger people who are coming through, who've just qualified, who know their things. You qualified so long ago. Things have Things changed. are changing yeah. so fast that what you did was irrelevant and you feel irrelevant. Mm. Okay. So for women, I often find that it really takes more courage because yeah. now they are often financially dependent and they've got to look after the children. So sometimes, even though you the relationship is not a good relationship. You continue to stay in the relationship yeah. uh, because of the fact that you 
have no financial security and you just feel at least the children have got a roof over their head and there's food on the table and you have a reasonable lifestyle, mm. even though it's as toxic as anything. Yeah. Let's jump into um, the emotional cost, um, which you have made very clear in, in this conversation that divorce is mainly an emotional thing. And it's triggered, obviously. The act of saying, I'm leaving this relationship is triggered by an emotion. And obviously, the process of seeing things through, I can imagine, is an emotional roller coaster because there'll be days you get you agree on things and days you don't agree on things. Generally, for men or for women, is it impossible to differentiate who pays more emotionally in a divorce? Do the women find themselves saying, yo, I wrote a very expensive check for my emotions? Or are the guys saying, you? I really took out a calculator for these emotions that I went through a, a lot. Who, who yeah. suffers so, the most? Look, I think men are able to mask their emotions a lot better. Mm. Okay, so they, can, they will feel the pain, mm. but then they drop into... Because remember, men are in culture not to cry, mm-hmm. not to show their emotions. Mm-hmm. They must man up and suck it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because they've been, many men have been encultured in that way, they just end up sucking it up, manning up. They may go through the hurt, okay, of it. But the way people then start retaliating against each other. Remember, women now are feeling beings. So they are a lot more emotional, will cry, will go through the whole spectrum of all of the emotions, which is the roller coaster. So it's not to say that men are not going to feel the huge pain associated with that. Because remember, even if a relationship is done, if you've got children, Hmm. that always becomes the problem now. Because if a man feels that a woman is weaponizing the children against him Hmm. because he's not paying sufficient financial support now because they've now moved into... For example, she moves out or he moves out. Now they're running two homes with one salary. Yo, unless you're a business Tell person. me about that. Okay. Yeah. And you're earning a lot of money and uh, then it makes it easier. But often that's why people will stay in a relationship because it doesn't matter how bad it is, how abusive it is, how yeah. uh, the emotions are out of control for both parties. They stay there because it's just not affordable to do anything that's else. That's painful. And then the courage that one needs to actually step out of that. And say regardless. That is the whole issue. So I would have to say that these days it's balanced. There are both men and women uh, that come for divorces in both equally, 50-50, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I've seen both incredibly emotional men who have cried and cried, but they're crying because they're no longer going to be seeing their children every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll have fathers who are now going to fight for the children to say, I want a shared residency, I want to see my child as much as I can, but then... Dad's got to go out and work because he's the primary breadwinner and he's still got to pay a lot of maintenance and things like that. So it's not always feasible. You try and work around that. It's true. Uh, I mean, when you you put it like that, you forget in a household, right? Like I look at my household. My husband's got a very um, busy schedule and what he does. And we are able to balance, you know, when he comes home at night, if the kids are awake, he gets to see them. If not, first thing in the morning, he'll get to see them. Um, And now you think about now a break happening Correct. Where is he going to see these kids if he's getting home late at night and then only wanting to see them in the morning? Correct. And then from a logical perspective, the kids can't be in an environment where you're not there. 
I'm there, so clearly it makes yeah. sense for me to be there. So I see there's so many elements where a father, like I know my husband, would fight and say, I want to see my kids as much as possible. But the reality on the ground is that the household is not a unit anymore. So can that, that is that, that feasible? That is correct. So I always say you may be in a divorce situation mm. or a, where you split up a partnership, mm. but it doesn't mean that you can't be still in a family unit. Mm. You're going to sit one day around the table with your children at weddings, maybe at Christmases. Can you imagine how incredible that would be if you could still share those kind of celebrations where the parties are civil enough and understanding and mature to really try and put aside their differences as hard as it is and actually say, okay, really we're going to do this firstly for ourselves because if you harbor all of this resentment, you're going to get cancer. You're going to get some kind of a disease because it just eats away at you, the resentment. Okay. Resentment can actually so, bring about so some dreadful diseases. Exactly. So yeah. so my whole point is this, something that you need to think about, that yeah. if a relationship is no longer sustainable, you know, go through the divorce. Divorces can be acrimonious. But once things have settled down, because we're now fighting, we're fighting for money, we're fighting for children, we're fighting for all sorts of things. Once that is done, then try at least and see if you can't salvage a relationship in terms of at least being civil towards one another. Mm. Otherwise, you're using children. So As I see weapons. many scenarios of where you have children and it's the one parent will say, you go tell your father this. Oh, your father will say, gosh, you better tell your worst. mother that's this. The worst. Or then the children say, Daddy, why am I not seeing you anymore and why are you leaving the home? Because your mother's kicking me out of the house. <sighs> or it can be the other way around. Yes. Uh, you know, where father's hanging on to mm. the child and mother's forced to leave because dad has been abusing mom so badly mm. and she actually can't continue to live in the house because he's just going to kill her eventually. Sure. And I've seen situations like that too. So, you know, it's not about it's any gender bias here. There are problems yeah. when you're looking at fathers or husbands or men. There are issues that arise when you're looking at women, children, their role, etc. Mm. So, you know, for me, my biggest thing that I can say also, at least for women, try and remain independent. It's a wonderful notion to say, well, I'm going to stay home and raise the children because yeah. there's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But once you lose your financial independence, yeah. now you're becoming dependent on somebody else. And you can have incredibly generous men. But once there are financial constraints and finances start becoming an issue, now the resentfulness starts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a big thing for one to consider. I love that. As well. So yeah. even when you're thinking of getting married, okay, so yeah. let's try and back take a few steps back uh, and say when you are considering marriage you actually need to be as honest as you can with your partner or even mm. if you're going into a partnership you need to start ironing out how you're going to be dealing with finances how you're dealing with children yeah i've seen people who have stepped into my office where they want to get married in terms of a contract called an anti-nuptial contract yeah now we've got to start discussing issues of money. They've never, ever even discussed issues of money. That's wild. And by the time an hour or two hours later after they've been in 
my office, it's erupted into such an argument that they walk away from one another and are no longer getting married because it's such a contentious issue because they never, ever discuss the issue of money. Nobody knows what the others got. Um, so that's a problem in and of itself. So yeah. I'm saying to you, things that you didn't perhaps know is that let's actually look at when you are getting married or early on in the marriage, how do you actually deal with your relationship? Yeah. And I always say, go to relationship counseling if you need to. Yeah. So let's talk money quickly. Yes. Um, obviously, when there's money issues in a marriage, people actually have money to have a money issue. What happens in a situation where the couple has gone into such a bad financial state that there is no money and it's time to part ways because obviously this was the root of their problem. They have none of it left. And now it's time to get a divorce. Again, it's very problematic. This is a situation I see all the time. So where parties have either been in a partnership or marriage, let's say for 20 years, okay? Mm. Wife stayed at home, looked after the children. Husband had a business. The business folds. They don't have anything. And now they're going to get a divorce. If he doesn't have money for maintenance for her and the children, or a minimal amount for the children, what does she do? Because she's never worked now. Mm. Okay. It becomes a big problem. If you don't have money, you don't have money. Often, you know, women feel that men are hiding money mm. because obviously now they don't want to necessarily pay because mm. once the divorce is over, we're now cutting the family in half. And he's saying, but I've worked so hard for 20 years now. I'm the one who showed up at work every day. Mm. And this is where women are marginalized because their job, in my opinion, when it comes to raising children, meaning it's a 24-hour job. So if there's no money, there's no money. And that's why I'm advocating and saying women should try and retain their financial independence always. Because now, once you leave the marriage, it's all very well that husbands or the parties can say okay let's get married let's have children you stay home and that's what you agree on and then the marriage goes sour after 10 years yeah once again now the woman is not financially independent so what you're going to do mm. it is a huge problem yeah. and these are things that people need to think of that's why i say one needs to take a few steps back and say woman should always be financially independent if they can be because it resolves a lot of problems. Right. Because you're there to support one another at the end of the day and you're a team working together for the relationship and for your children. And yeah. remember, our children grow and they leave home eventually. Yeah. Now you're stuck with the two of you. And, you know, the children in a relationship may have been the buffer between the two of you. So, you know, you're distracted with the children, yeah. both the parties, whether it's school functions and it's this and and the father travels for work and things like that. Now, when the children leave home, back to school, now right? all of a sudden there's no longer the buffer. What happens to the relationship then? Mm. Now you're at least 20 years down the line. Right. So I want to uh, quickly unpack for us the five stages of divorce, right? I looked this up. Stage one is denial when you get the news that your partner wants to leave. Stage two is anger. Stage three is bargaining. Stage four is depression. When you realize the breakdown of something that you may have worked many years to build is now coming uh, to an end. And then the last stage is acceptance of what's happening. As we're getting to the end of this conversation, Benita, I guess these will be like quick fire questions where I would just like you to give us the shortest answers possible um, with regards to these specific questions. The first question is, should one jump to divorce at the first sight of discomfort in the relationship? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
I believe that either you need to try go to counseling, go to the church, to a pastor, or try and see how the two of you can actually resolve it. Sometimes you can go to just a counselor or a mediator or trusted friend who can see how you can maybe deal with this, Mm. negotiate your way through it. Because sometimes they're small things, but when they are left undealt with, Mm. that is when they start festering and something small can grow into something huge. Right. Second question. When kids are involved, Mm. how do you protect your children in the process of a divorce? Your quick fire answer. Do not weaponize them against the other parent. So stop it. Do not Mm. involve your children they are not adults, they are children. They need to know that they are loved and they are not the cause for the breakdown of the relationship. Mm. That is the most important thing. Next Love question. your kids. Love your kids. Are divorce attorneys expensive? Yes. Yes, so divorce attorneys are, it obviously depends who you go to. Mm. Because our firm deals with it in the way that we do, where I start off with the, these are all the emotions, now how do we actually manage all of this? Mm. It's different. So you can go to attorneys who will say, we'll give you a package. But when they say, we'll give you a package, all of a sudden it morphs into something else where it's, oh, but we thought it was going to be an unopposed divorce. So we quoted you one thing. Now it's turned into a fight because that's how people hook the, or how the attorneys hook the clients in. They say, oh, you can have a divorce for 3,000 rand. Mm. It never works like that. Because they'll say, yes, that was an unopposed divorce, but oops, we forgot to tell you it was an unopposed divorce where there's no fight. When there's a fight, that's a whole different ballgame. So no, now that it's an opposed divorce, it's going to be a lot more, but we can't tell you how much it is. My next question, is it cheaper to divorce when one couple has a prenup in in place? Is it cheaper and easier to part ways when there's a prenup? No, no. It can be a lot more complicated. Wow. And when you say a prenup, you are talking about an anti-nuptial contract in South Africa. There we law, go, yes. And then it would depend how you are married. You can be married a, a straight anti-nuptial contract where each of your assets are separate. And then it can be ANC with an accrual. Now you start needing to deal with the finances. And it also depends then what disputes they're going to be in the divorce. Is it a financial dispute? Is it children disputes? Is it maintenance disputes? What are we actually fighting for? And that is the thing. And I use the word fight. Obviously, if one can negotiate something, mm. you do. And that's always first prize. And that's what I always advocate. Mm. But because people are so triggered and because they, and I use the word hate, I've seen the hatred, that the Jeez. levels that people actually get to and the horrific things that they're actually prepared to do. I mean, I've seen people doom each other with doom, spray each other in the eyes. not doom. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. Like just the most horrendous things that they actually do, playing tricks on one another, just really nasty, nasty things. Yeah. I don't know if you can answer this one. Uh, What has been your cheapest divorce, as in monetary, and your most expensive divorce? Okay, I can't say that in financial terms. So Mm. a cheaper divorce would be where a couple together have come to see me. We have gone through whatever the the potential disputes are or what we need to cover in terms of children, money, finances, and the two of them have agreed. So it's almost like a negotiated settlement between the two of them. Okay. And then we draw up a parenting plan, we draw up a settlement agreement, 
and then they get divorced and things are smooth and they're civil towards one another and they still end up talking. That is a cheaper divorce. The most expensive divorces, that's where the parties are acrimonious, are triggered from each other, hate each other. It will be two things. It will be money. So where we're fighting over money and if there are huge assets that run into tens of millions, hundreds of millions, Okay, and one party doesn't want to part with the money or doesn't want to, you know, will duck and dive. That runs into huge, huge money and often where we fight about children. Mm. So children can become a huge, huge issue. And delay the process. Totally. A process. So this is important for you to know. So an unopposed divorce can take maybe four months. An opposed divorce can take you three to four years, sometimes five years, because there are all sorts of arguments in between and people just get tired. But the other thing that I want to say is this, that sometimes people, so where there's a power imbalance in a relationship and the one party actually needs to fight, they need to fight because it will bring back their power and it gives them a sense of purpose so they're empowering themselves because they never ever had the courage to fight or do anything and they were meek and mild and so once they actually get the courage to fight it empowers them it runs its course a little bit and then now because you have more of a a balance between the parties now it's ready for a divorce Mm. i often find that sometimes people end up so even though we say let's try and settle it in a particular way no 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 we go down a fight they end up paying much more money for it then they get to the certain point and say okay now we're ready for the divorce it's cost so much money it's so horrifying so when we say a divorce costs so much money is it the legal fees because everything, obviously, I'm not dealing with my husband directly anymore. I'm to have to deal with my husband through Benita. Yes. Is that what makes a divorce expensive? The legal process? Well, it's the legal process, but there's so much to it. Remember that also, and I want to speak about, again, my firm, because we're not only going to deal, people will use us as a crutch. So I'll have somebody phoning me sometimes five times a day because they don't know what to do. Like it can be, oh, this person's just done that. What do I do about this? And yeah. it's all things that need immediate attention it's like if somebody tells you you've got a tumor and you have to now speak to your specialist doctor you're going to phone them five times until you can speak to them because for you it's a life or death situation Mm. understand one thing when people are going through a divorce or breakup of a relationship it's a life and death situation that's why they say divorce is like you know it's one of the most horrific things that you can go through because it is a roller coaster because one doesn't just say okay tomorrow it's going to end because it may never end, yeah. meaning you can have a divorce, but the relationship, the acrimony can still flare up five years later. You can still have one of the parties hooking the other party because they're paying lots of maintenance and things, but they want to still call the shots in the relationship because they haven't disentangled themselves from one another Aye. because they haven't worked with a psychologist, a counselor or somebody to actually get them to work on themselves because it's never about the other person. It is always about about you you. and how you relate to the other person. Wow. Benita, it's been such an engaging conversation. And I think I'm going to wrap this up by just saying what I've learned from this conversation. I think the most important thing I'm taking out of this is that before getting into the institution of marriage, one should have very difficult conversations around the five things I spoke about earlier that could cause your breakdown. Correct. So I mentioned earlier the top five reasons for a divorce are lack of intimacy, infidelity, communication, money, and addiction. So these conversations clearly need to happen before a marriage is actioned. Absolutely. So that's very important. The second thing I've taken from this conversation is the fantasy 
of having a breakdown in a relationship and going to other people who have no context of the challenges of your relationship and these people feeding into a fantasy world that you start being a part of that results in the breakdown of your marriage. The third item that I'm going to take away from this is the importance of, especially in the times we're living in, for both parties to somehow have their own income. So if you are a stay-at-home mom, it's so important to have your little side hustles, whether you you bake cakes and you sell them at the school's uh, cake day and have your own little cake business that you do, or whether you decide to make women's jeans and you sell that on the side online. But something that kind of gets your flow of income coming in and outside of your flow of income coming in, your confidence raised. Um, The fourth thing I'm going to take away from this is the importance of putting your kids at the center of your divorce. And by that, I mean remembering that their feelings are the most important in this equation and taking care of them and not weaponizing them is so, so important. And I'll give you the fifth thing. And that's our final uh, word for today. Would you say is the biggest takeout from this conversation that you want to throw at those listening? It's about dealing with your emotions. I think that's what we need to look at. How can one regulate one's emotions and then step into the divorce? And that is what the hardest thing actually is. It's regulating the emotions, Benita, because that's it. That is it. Well, and the, and the, the legal system doesn't cater for that. Yeah. That is the problem. The legal system. Rory, what was your biggest takeout, Mr. Producer, man? I like the kids, but... Mm. let the kids know that they are loved they're mm. not part of this mm. it's not their fault mm. that for me is the most important thing I think because I have seen I have a friend who's been through divorce and it's still going on mm. and they're still fighting over kids mm. and the kids are still in the middle of this fight and it's mm. horrible it's horrible to see for him for her and for the kids Yeah. so that's the biggest thing I took is just leave the kids out of it man the kids are loved yeah. they're not part of this yeah for me that's the biggest thing Sure. Well, I hope that this conversation has enlightened somebody who might be in a journey, on a journey right now, maybe finding difficult in a relationship, maybe contemplating whether to get married in the first place or at the end of the road in a situation. I hope that this conversation has enlightened you and made you understand, I think, the overarching cost of a divorce. We've learned in this. The answer is the emotional element. That is the overarching cost of a divorce. It's an emotional cost and there is no price to that. Correct. So guard your heart. And can I just say this? The emotional cost is one has to consider the emotional cost of not going ahead with a divorce or a disentanglement of a couple or the cost if you do go ahead. But often the cost of separating or going ahead if there is no way through it is the better option because otherwise, particularly where they're children, children then grow up in an incredibly toxic environment. And even though parents say, well, it's better, at least we remained in the same house and the children were in the house with us. No, it is so much more damaging. Research for children says where parties divorce or separate and they're living in separate households, as long as the children know that they are loved by both parents and that the parents are civil towards one another, those children will thrive and will be far better off in a situation where there has been a separation. Benita Ardenbaum from Benita Ardenbaum Family Law Attorneys. Thank you so much for your time and unpacking this very emotional conversation about what or how much does a divorce cost? It's a pleasure, Carol. Thank you so, so much. <sighs> and now we know. 
If you enjoyed my podcast, please follow or subscribe to it via ecr.co.za under podcasts. And then you'll get alerts about new episodes. And please don't keep the Carol Afori podcast to yourself. Let's make the circle bigger. You can also email your big questions to my producer, Rory, at ecr.co.za.